Welcome to the Linwood Covenant Church Podcast, presented by Pastors Dave Osterkamp, Rachel Hart, and Chris Kelly. Join us each week as we dive into the timeless wisdom of Scripture, exploring Jesus' message of love, hope, and faith that unites us all. So sit back, relax, and let's get into this week's service. We're going through the book of Romans, and uh, we're doing it in, a, in about five weeks. So next week, we're going to finish the book of Romans, and we'll be tackling Romans uh, 12 to uh, 16. We're going to pause and uh, take a, a short, short chunk of Scripture today. We're going to read Romans 12, 1 and 2 uh, for a few reasons. The, the whole book is turning towards application now, and tr- Romans 12... Uh, one and two are, are very important, uh, a very important part of that turn. And so we're going to pause today and look at kind of look back on what we've talked about. And we're going to celebrate communion at the end of our worship service because it's such a great application uh, to the verses that we're going to read today. Um, and so Romans 12, one and two say this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The word of the Lord. The text is asking a very uh, poignant question, a very easy question. I guess it's not, it's not a hidden question. Uh, the question is, is what are you offering yourself to? What am I, what are we offering ourselves to? All of us during the week and the month and the year, we offer ourselves to different people, to different ideas, to different hobbies, to different tasks. We we offer ourselves throughout the week to different, to different things. And so one of the questions we'll be pondering on, and even this week I encourage you to ponder, is what are you offering yourself to? And a, and a follow-up question, which would be why? Why are we offering ourselves to those things? I've heard the advice given to a, a young person before. Uh, when, you see a, when you see a neighbor in need, help them. Because... You'll never know when you're in need. My question is, is that, is that good advice? On a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being terrible advice to 10 being the best advice, where would you rate it? When you see a neighbor in need, help them, because you'll never know when you are in need. I'm going to try to get this set. Now, I wouldn't say it's terrible advice. I would say it's, 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 a, it's, you know, it's kind of the way the world works, right? You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. We kind of operate out of that. There's, there's some ways in, the, in wisdom of how, uh, of how the world works. But is that Christian advice? Is that biblically sound advice? Does it align with our faith? Then you would have to move it down the scale, I think. I, I, don't, I don't think it does. Jesus does not say, love your neighbor so that when you're in trouble, you might have a neighbor that will love you. Right? That, that wasn't the motivation behind that. Actually, and nor does Jesus, you know, Jesus actually kind of says the opposite of that. Like, find neighbors to help that cannot have, they have no means and no ability to help you. Help those, help those neighbors. Jesus also doesn't, it does, doesn't say love God because, because we, we need to make sure that when we need mercy, God will love us. 
That's not the reason that we, that we follow God or love God or choose to obey God so that God then might have, have mercy on us. All of Romans is pushing against this. It's saying the idea is that we love God because we so deeply understand that God has fiercely loved me even when I have rejected God. Paul is arguing this really in a, in a nutshell in Romans 1 through 11. Paul, Paul made the case, if you remember in Romans 1, 2, and 3, that, uh, that while we were lost in sin, God made his move. While we were separate from God, God came to, to make sure that that separation was removed. Paul started Romans 1, 2, and 3 with bad news that everyone is lost. And then in chapter 5, as Pastor Chris preached, the good news started to flow like a river through chapters 5, 6, 7, and 8. Just a few verses to remember the, the good news that, that Chris brought to us a few weeks ago. Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, so we've been made right through our faith, we have peace with the God of the universe through our Lord Jesus Christ. Good news, you have peace with God. In Romans 5.8, God demonstrated his own love for you, Dave, and whatever your name happens to be. Put your name in there. God has demonstrated his love for you that while you are still sinners, Christ went to the cross so that we might be made pure and clean. In Romans 5.21, just as sin has reigned in death, so also Jesus came so that grace might reign. The free gift of God might reign through righteousness. Why? To bring eternal life for you and for me through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is all good news. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin brings death and separation from people and from God, but the gift of God is eternal life. It's a gift. It's a grace. In Romans 8.1, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, who, 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 have, who are in Christ because of the cross, who have asked and received cleansing and forgiveness. There's no condemnation, but there's mercy in grace. In Romans 10, 13, Paul simply says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And in Romans eleven thirty two, and if you look at Romans 9, 10, and 11, we looked at last week, you see this word over and over, mercy, 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 that God has mercy. In eleven thirty two, it just ends, the end of it says, so that he may have mercy on them all. That's God's desire. I want to have mercy. I want to cleanse you. I want to purify you. I have given you a great gift before you did anything. Actually, I've given you a great gift while you are in rebellion. I love you. You are my son and you are my daughter, as we sang this morning. And so then we get to Romans 12, and Paul starts with a therefore, which means therefore, after all this stuff we've talked about, in view of God's mercy, in view of all this good news, do this. As we operate in life, often what we do depends on what we see, right? What we do depends on what we see. If I see a baseball flying at my head, then I do this, right? I, I get out of the way. And so we see things and then we respond to them. And we need to see things correctly and rightly. And Paul says, see the cross. See what Christ has done. See the depth of his love. 
See how much he's fiercely loved you, even as you've turned your back on him, even as you've said you followed him, but then you followed a different way. And Jesus is still there like the prodigal son saying, come on back, come on home. When you come home, you should know this. When you come home, the home is always filled with mercy and with grace. And so Paul says, do this. Your response is to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is your true and proper worship. We're not offering our bodies so that God might be nice to us in the future. We're not offering our lives so that God somehow owes us something. We're offering our lives because we understand how good God is and how trustworthy God is. And that Paul would say it's your only response. In view of Romans 1 through 11, the truth that I've told you, offer all of yourself. Give God everything. And then in Romans 12, too, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't be a chameleon. We don't have chameleons in Minnesota. We endure the cold, so we don't have, you know, chameleons would be kind of fun to have. You know, snakes and spiders that kill you are not fun to have, so that's why we live here. But we've all seen chameleons, maybe when you've gone on vacation or on YouTube or on TV, and, and how they, they always blend in. It's just amazing. It's a miracle. They just always, when they move here, they're gray. They move here, they're red. They move here, they're green. And Paul says, we're, we're not like that. We're not people that blend in. We're different. We do not conform to the pattern of the world. Well, what is the pattern of the world? What is, what is the pattern of the world that's so different from what we, we live? Well, one is fear. The Bible over and over, I mean, we just sang about it in day by day. There's so much fear. And over and over, our Bible says that's not who we are. We are not people that are afraid. We are not fearful people. We're not me-centered. We don't prioritize ourselves, but we prioritize our neighbors. Not to put them in debt. We prioritize our neighbors just simply because they're men and women made in the children of God and they might be struggling, they might need help, and so we are there for our neighbors, whoever they are. That we're not people that deal with anger. We we're not we're not we're not people that are that are angry, we're not people that are hateful. We're not people that get sucked into us versus them thinking that that these people are good and these people are evil that we actually love our enemies, those that might be against us. We don't look down on each other. We don't blame and we don't yell at each other. That's what the world does. We don't let worry dominate our thinking. We don't prioritize our safety and security. We're willing to risk our safety and security for the good of somebody uh, that needs shelter or love or food, or whatever it may be, that we are, we are quite different, that the way we live is way more beautiful and way more faithful and way more peaceful than the way that the world works. We're not conforming to the world. In Romans, how we do not conform to the world is the same way that we find freedom from sin. I think this is so important. In the book of Romans, how we do not conform to the world is the same way that we find freedom from sin. Romans talks a lot that there can be freedom from sin. And as I've lived my Christian life, I've always asked the question, yeah, how? That sounds great, but how? That sounds great, but it's not necessarily my experience, so how? How does that work in, in, in real life? And, and, uh, and as the years have gone by, I'm getting close to 50 now, a few months out, I've, 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 I've asked that question. As I've taught youth group over the years, like, I, I wrestle with that question, well, how? But how? How do we actually get freedom from the trap of, 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 of sin? And, and I think Romans spells it out. It's simple, but it's difficult. 
it makes sense to me, but it's not something that's going to just happen overnight. It's not something, uh, it's not something that, uh, it's just like a miracle necessarily. Like today you're trapped in sin and tomorrow you're free. It's a, it's a process. It's actually just the way of Jesus. It's the cross. Jesus went to the cross and so must I. Jesus went to the cross and so must you. We offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Let's see all the different ways that Romans puts it. Let's look at Romans 6, 6 and 7. It says this, For we know that our old self was crucified. What does that mean? We've got to crucify our old self with him, with Jesus, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Anyone who has died. What does that mean? Let's keep going. Romans 6.11 In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Romans 6.13 Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to Him as an instrument of righteousness. Leave it there for a second. So you see this idea again of of death. The cross is is a symbol of, of death. And you see these words, offer, offer. Romans 12, what does it say? Offer. Offer yourself as what? A sacrifice. What is a sacrifice? Death. Offer. Death. All these constant themes. Romans 6.16. Do you not know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. So in that part, you see this offer show up again and again, but it's, it's offering yourselves as slaves to who? To Jesus. Who do you offer yourself to? Romans 7, 5, last one. For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us so that we bore the fruit of death. So all this, this death language, all this offer language, Romans 12, offer yourselves as living sacrifices. This question, what, are, what am I offering myself to? It's a question for all of us. It's part of what our taking inventory in the resource center is, is there to help you like go through your week. On Monday, what am I offering myself to on Monday morning? on Monday afternoon, on Monday evening, on Tuesday morning, we all have our rhythms. And what do your rhythms offer yourself to? Today you are here, thanks be to God. I'm so always so glad and happy that, that you chose to go out of, the, out of your warm house into the cold air to come here to worship together or to, to push the button online and, 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 to, and to watch this. It's, it's humbling to me personally that you would take the time um, to listen to this guy from Nebraska and Iowa explain the scriptures to you. Um, but I've gone to great lengths to, to study and to learn, and Pastor Chris and Pastor Rachel and I take it very seriously that, that we have a very, a very important task, that, that you're offering yourselves to God as you come here, but we're, we're putting this service together um, to help you to connect with God, and it's a weighty and heavy responsibility.
everybody should take it quite seriously. And as we offer ourselves to people, that's the challenge. Who are we, who are we offering ourselves to as we leave here? We offer ourselves to people on YouTube, on podcasts, on books, in television, our friend group that we sit around the table with, we offer ourselves in our ear to them, and we have to, we have to evaluate, well, well, who are they? Are they trying to lead you to Christ, or are they trying to keep your attention on themselves to gain a following or for whatever? Who are they? We've been talking a lot on Wednesday nights, and I see more and more of you doing it, which is great, and, and on Sundays and in Sunday school. Um, who are we offering? So, and to ask questions like, as the people we listen to, where have they studied? Uh, where, 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 have they, where have they gone to learn? I remember taking my first seminary class after 12 years of youth ministry. I avoided seminary like the plague because I was done with school after graduating college. I'm like, so much school. I'm so done with it. And then I, I went, to, I went to, to seminary and I, I, I started studying and I realized, whoa, I know very little about this actually. And if I want to handle the word of God and, and people are going to offer themselves to me to learn it, I better, I better learn. I better, I better handle it well. And, and it was, it's, so, it's so important to like, there's so much in this complicated book and God is so big and, and mysterious that, 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 uh, that it's really important to ask those questions as we offer ourselves to people. Well, where have they studied? What's their agenda? What keeps them accountable? What denomination are they in? Do they have any accountability structures? What's your motivation for writing this? Do qualified pastors confirm the biblical soundness of this? I always appreciate those questions, and I get them quite frequently from you, so thank you for doing that. I take that quite seriously. Is this what Christ would say, or is this just something I want to hear? Is this tickling my ear, or is this something that Christ would say, yes, that's solid and good? Is this conforming to the pattern of the world? Some simple questions we can ask is, is this urging me to hate my neighbors or to love my neighbors? It's a pretty simple filter to really think things through. Is this trying to get me to be afraid and control me by fear? Or is this encouraging me to go to sleep in the boat even when the storm is raging? Because that's what Jesus did. Is this bringing me hope? Or is this bringing me fear? Is this keeping me up at night? Or is this helping me to sleep? Is this trying to get me to doubt that my daily bread will be there this year or for my kids or for my grandkids? Or is this helping me to trust in the daily bread that we pray for each week? What, what is this person that I'm offering? Is it, is it bringing me hope and fear and, and a freedom from fear and a freedom from hate and anger? Or is it stirring that up in me? What are we offering ourselves to? In Romans, Paul says, how we do not conform to the world is the same way that we find freedom from sin. We offer ourselves to Jesus by following the way of Jesus, and we die to ourselves. Galatians 2.20, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Paul says it this way, I have been crucified with Christ, simple as you can say it, and I no longer live. Dave is done. But Christ lives in me. In the life I now live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So as we go to communion today, I want to imagine that you're in, a, you're in a dark room. We're going to make this room as dark as we can make it. So we can't make it super dark. But Emily, go ahead and push, push the button. It's, it's dark. Okay, it's fairly dark. Hopefully you can still see online there. Um, there's only one way to get darkness and conformity to the world out of your life. 
There's only one way to get darkness out of your life, and it's simply, it's simply to, bring, it's to bring light in the world. Paul would say, in order to get sin out of your life or to not conform to the world, it's not to try harder or to try not to sin more today. It's to give that up and forget about it, and it's to turn your focus onto Jesus. There's only one way to get darkness out, and it's to bring, it's to bring oh, that didn't work. It's, just to, it's to bring light in. Now, this one candle doesn't dispel a lot of darkness. But over time, more and more candles would dispel more and more darkness. And in the midst of the darkness, the, line, the light shines brightly. It gets your attention. And this, this is simply what it means to be a Christ follower, is to be broken by the darkness, but not to fixate on it. Because when I fixate on sin, all I want to do is sin more. It's to, it's to turn your attention to light and to bring light in and and as you live and follow jesus to have patience more and more light will come in we turn the lights back on so we can all we can all see and what happens darkness leaves right darkness leaves there's one way and it's to crucify yourself to say i no longer live but christ lives in me my focus is on christ and so on monday and tuesday and wednesday I'm going to offer myself to Jesus, and I'm going to listen and offer myself to others who keep pointing me to the way of Jesus, which is not the way of the world. So as we come to communion and we start to come to Lent, I want to give us a few ways to do this, because now in Romans it turns to application, and we're going to talk about that in, in detail next week. But um, as we approach Lent, and some of us are like, well, what is, what is Lent? And, and Lent is simply something a, a lot of the church has done over the years to take 40 days and to focus more intently on the light and to, and to bring that light into, into our life. And so we start with Ash Wednesday. We have a service at 6.30. I'm going to give you seven quick things that you can do. Next week, they're going to be on a, a bookmark that you can take home like we had with Romans. But I want you to start thinking, okay, for 40 days, what can I do? to bring more light into my life in these, in, these, in these 40 days. One is just to simply come to Ash Wednesday at 6.30. It's a solemn service where we, we approach and face our mortality, that one day we'll die a, a physical death and we need cleansing, we need forgiveness. And the ashes on our forehead is a symbol that I am a child of God. That is who I am. My focus isn't on anything else in the world. It's on the light. It's on Jesus and on the cross Number two, maybe it's simply just to say, I'm going to come and seek God in church for seven straight weeks. I'm just going to, I'm going to be here. I'm going to tune in for seven weeks and, and make that a rhythm for Lent. Number three, we're going to really focus on this book, which is called With uh, by Sky Jitani. We're going to read it together, so I have copies out there. Um, we're asking uh, $10 for a copy, but, um, but mainly we want you to grab a book. You can also listen to it if you'd like to do an audio book. And so to read this, and we're going to be dialogue, dialoguing with a lot of the themes through Lent, so it'll make the sermons go deeper for you. Fourthly is we're going to attend some small groups. Most of them will be after church, and we're working to have child care available for them. But then it's going to be, I'm going to stay after church and, uh, and talk about this book, what we're reading, and also what we're discussing on Sunday mornings. So each of these seven gets to be more and more time and more commitment. Number five is, is to use a different devotional for Lent. To maybe whatever you're doing, maybe it's nothing, maybe it's something. We have three options there. If you're new to faith and you're new to following Christ, uh, we have the daily bread, which is a great way to, to bring some light and to bring some scripture and some stories into your life. If you've been following Christ for a while, we encourage you 
to try uh, Paul David Tripp's book, New Morning Mercies, which will take you a little deeper. And if you really want to go into some deeper waters, we encourage you to try The Divine Hours by Phyllis Tickle. She'll actually encourage you to pause your life three or four times a day uh, to read scripture and to listen and to seek after God, to bring light into your life. Number six is we're going to offer the lectionary text for all 40 days, which would be an Old Testament, a New Testament, and a gospel reading. And number seven is to remove something from your life. This is an ancient practice called fasting, at least for 40 days, to stop offering yourself to something that you're offering yourself to. It could be something that's just not good, that's making you conform to the world. It could be something that maybe is just too much a part of your life and you want to see if you can make sure you're not uh, dominated by it. So maybe it's to stop listening to something, to stop eating something, to stop watching something, to stop doing something, that you're, an activity that you're doing. And instead, during these 40 days, in view of God's mercy, to more intentionally and, and, and more deeply offer your bodies as a living sacrifice because that's holy and pleasing to God. It's your true and proper worship. And to not conform to the pattern of this world that we may be transformed by the renewing of our minds, that we may be able to test and approve what God's will is. So today, as we finish with communion, it's a great application because you're going to come forward with your whole body. The Romans that read this letter would have been kind of shocked that that Paul said, offer your bodies. We'll talk about that in Sunday school. Um, But when we come forward, you're going to bring your whole body, your whole self, And then you're going to come and you're going to get a piece of bread and a piece of juice, the body and blood of Jesus. And then you're going to eat it, which is a full commitment, right? It's coming a part of you. The blood is there to cleanse you and the bread of life is there to give you sustenance and to give you vitality for the rest of the day. That's why I try to give you big pieces because it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be a meal. It's supposed to be something that, uh, that gives you sustenance and you're supposed to taste and see that the Lord is good. That's why we don't use wafers but we use Hawaiian sweet bread because it's good. <clears throat> and, 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 and it's a way to commit to say I'm coming to the table and I'm taking my seat and I'm a follower of Christ. I'm dying to myself and I'm living for Jesus. If that, that's who you are, Come forward. If it's not, it's okay to, to not come forward. There's no shame in, in that at all. But this is, this is serious of like saying, yes, I am not a conformist to the world. I am not a chameleon. I'm a follower of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, this world can be full of so much hate and fear and messages of scarcity and that there's not enough and that we better watch out. Help us to live as people who truly believe that you will provide our daily bread, that love our neighbors and refuse to hate them, that that follow the way of Jesus, that die to ourself and that we spend our time setting our minds on you and seeking after you with all that we are and all that we have. And God, we thank you that you have mercy and grace and forgiveness for all the days we get sidetracked, that I get sidetracked, and you just keep saying, that's all right, come home and try again. Come home and try again. So as we come to the table, as we come home today, we thank you that despite the shortcomings that that we have that you continue to have a place and you pull out a chair and say come to my table come and eat taste and see that the lord is good may we may we know that deeply as we come to your table today in jesus name amen thank you for listening we hope today's message inspired you to dig deeper into your own relationship with christ and apply his words to your world if you like today's message feel free to check out linwood covenant's other podcasts including past sermons 
If you're looking for something to binge beginning to end, check out First Word, our first podcast series that guides listeners through the book of Mark. You can find all of these wherever podcasts are available. You're also welcome to join us for our full worship service, which streams on YouTube every Sunday morning at 9.30 Central Time. We'll see you next week. And remember, come what may, nothing will separate you from the love of Christ.